This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. How's everyone doing this morning? Give me a thumbs up if you're doing good. Cool, cool, cool. Well, my name is Trenton. If you've not met me, and I, uh, I'm excited to be able to speak on Mother's Day. I was thinking about it yesterday. I actually think this is like my third or fourth Mother's Day I've got to preach on, so I'm excited for that. Um, but anyway, welcome to RLC. Sorry, that's off balance. That's going to bother my OCD all, all morning. Okay, so before we jump into the message today, I want to do a couple, uh, remind a couple quick things. First of all, Fine Arts is this weekend. How many people know what Amplify Fine Arts is? Raise your hand. Okay, if you do not, Amplify Fine Arts is a conference that the ne- network that our church is a part of um, does, puts on for youth students. So sixth grade through 12th graders, and all these students from all over the state of Oregon are coming this week. And the whole point is to discover, develop, and deploy their God-given gifts and abilities. So they're going to be coming and presenting. Um, this is super cool. And we're taking 12 students students this year. Nine of them are presenting, which is super awesome. So can we give it up for them with that? Um, Things like singing and baking and drawing and writing, and I'm forgetting some, I think, but there's a lot. And so it's really cool. So my request as a church community, because we're a family, right? Aren't we a family? Is that you guys would pray this week. So if you're comfortable, pull out your phone and go Thursday through Saturday, put a reminder every morning, I'm going to pray for these students. And I ask you to pray for two things. First of all, a lot of students are presenting, and that takes a lot of nerve. I, I did this as a youth student, and this was, it took a lot of nerve to get up and do that. So pray for the presentations. They've been working hard. And most importantly, above all that, would you pray that God would, God would meet them and encounter them at this event? And the reason I say that is on Sunday night, I was talking to our students, and I was... Um, talking about how there's two things you need to keep in mind going into fine arts. And one of the biggest ones is that you were made on purpose for a purpose. And so I challenged students. I said, would you guys go to every session and go, God, what did you make me for? I don't know about you, but I'm like, what would our world look like if every human just said, God, what'd you, what'd you make me for? So would you, guys, would you guys pray with me? You look glazed over like he's not making any sense. So would you commit? I'm going to pray. Say, I believe in the students. So I'm going to pray for the students that God would work through them. All right, now you're bound to it unless you're a liar, so it's on you if you fail. So, okay, second thing I want to mention this morning is can we just take a moment put our hands together for all the ladies in the room today? And uh, the reason I say all the ladies is because absolutely 100% we have some amazing mothers in the room, but we also have just a lot of amazing future mothers in the room as well as ladies that maybe by choice or just circumstance were not able to have children. And so that does not make them any less than, and God made all women, whether they're a mom or not, with the traits of being a mother and this nurturing and encouragement and growing. How many people were impacted by a woman in your life? Yes. So that's why I want to honor that today. And so thank you all the ladies for being here. Um, and I want to add, I know that I kind of prayed with it this morning. I, I know that Mother's Day can add a lot of different emotions. For some of you, your mom's like your best friend. And for others, you, you may not even know your real mom and you may not even like your mom. And so that can cause tension. For some of you, this is really hard to come because like you... You, you wanted to have kids, but you were never able to have kids. For some of you, you have amazing kids. So there's people all across the spectrum, and it's really easy to get zoned in on your own life. And so I recognize this day carries with a lot of pain for some. So I'm sorry that's the case, and I believe that God, God sees you. He cares for you. So ladies, I want to take a, take a moment to just say that, as well as I want to honor two important women in my life. First of all, my wife, Allie. Um, She is not the mother of our children, but she will be one day. Um, And she is an amazing woman. She has to mother me a lot. All the men in the room were like, amen. Um, But she's amazing as well as she already in so many ways uses these traits of nurturing encouragement in our our community. So I just want to honor her. I also want to honor, most importantly, my mother who's sitting on the front row today. Um, And it's cool to be able to preach on Mother's Day. And I think it means a lot to her. Um, And so thank you for being who you are. This last year has been... 
challenging ways, but uh, I wouldn't be who I am without you. So I wouldn't even be standing up here if it wasn't without you. So anyway, I love you. And occasionally I deserved a physical knock in the head from her. So she was faithful to do that. Um, and I made it. So it's all right. Anyway, happy Mother's Day. Um, one more thing. I want to un- honor my Uncle Greg and Aunt Val over here really quickly. Um, I didn't know they were coming today. I'm just honoring a lot of people, you know, so it's fine. Um, but I wanted to honor them today because they are a huge influence in my life. And I was thinking back yesterday. Actually, we were on the way home from Montana. My Uncle Greg um, did a lot in my life. Both of them did. But Uncle Greg specifically one time was like, I will pay you and I will buy these books for you and pay you if you read them and write a paper. Okay, so like just let that sink in. Like I'm a seventh grader, okay? So like I wasted this, okay? I only think I got like one payment. I'm like, what an idiot. I'm like, I literally go back, I'm like, can you please offer that to me again? Because I, I will gladly read and write papers. So anyway, they made a huge impact on my life. I'm excited that they're here today. Um, and they're, they actually are pastoring a church in, I don't remember, in Washington. What was it? Aberdeen. So anyway, I'm glad they're here today. Anyway, with that being said, we are stepping into week five of a relationship series called Relationship 101. Say Relationship 101. And if you've been with us, I hope that you've been challenged in this series. This series has been really phenomenal. If you have not been, I, have, I would encourage you to go back and check out the podcast. We have podcasts, YouTube, Vimeo, Facebook, and so on. And so this is an amazing series. And we've covered a lot of topics that I think the church sometimes neglect, neglects or just forgets to talk about. And so, and we're going to continue to talk all the way through the end of May. So please prioritize to listen to these, make them, make them a priority to be here. Anyway, we all know that from experience, um, relationships can be one of the best things and worst things in our life. Anybody with me? You're like, this can be amazing. It's also be horrible. And so each week we've been coming back to this fact that every healthy relationship flows out of your right and healthy relationship with God. Every healthy relationship flows out of right and healthy relationship with God. And we say that because if you can't get like relationship with God, the one who created relationships right, like you ain't going to be able to get any other relationship right either. And so we keep coming back to this fact. And so in knowing this, we spent the last month looking at God's word to discover and remember the purpose of relationships, the principles to navigate relationships, and his expectation for our role within them. And so if you've been with us the last three weeks, you've seen that we've kind of covered uh, multiple different topics, but I'm going to group them all into the romantic relationship. We went through singleness, dating, and marriage. And if you missed last week, please go listen to it. Mar- the marriage message by PK was absolutely phenomenal. But anyway, we, we spent these last three weeks looking at these romantic relationships. This week, um, just, in time for mo- just in time for Mother's Day, we're actually shifting gears, and we're going to be talking about a different kind of relationship. Are you guys ready? Yes. So we're going to be talking about kid-to-parent relationships. Say kid-to-parent relationships. So not parent to kid, not how you parent your kid, but how to be a kid to your parent. And so just for all on the page, same page, if um, a father and mother conceived you and a mother went through labor for you, raise your hand. I'm just making sure everyone in the room should raise, his hand, uh, raise your hand. Otherwise, you might be like a government-issued robot. I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll pray for you after. Anyway, we all have been, are, or will be children, right? Like, for like, this is probably one of the longest relationships. I mean, for most, it is the longest relationship you will have, right? You start as a child, and you go through the majority of your life as a child. And I don't think we always pay enough attention to this relationship. This relationship's super important. So before I go any further, I want to acknowledge two things. First of all, there are many seasons of being being a kid to your parent, right? As a baby, as a toddler, as a grade schooler, like there's a lot of different seasons and then you end up graduating and then you head to young adulthood and then you become a parent of, of your own kids, but you're still a child to your parent. And so there's a lot of different seasons. And I say that because today I'm going to be talking about like late teen on because that's my audience today. And that's where we spend the majority of our season. And I think that's where we get the majority of our responsibility as kids wrong. And so I want to help you guys with that today. And this was a challenge to me as I prepared. The other thing I want to mention 
just kind of like I gave a caveat for Mother's Day, I know that your parent, kid-to-parent relationships look different for everybody. Some of you grew up with two parents in a quote-unquote normal like childhood, like I don't know if you can call any family normal or any childhood normal. Others of you only grew up with one parent because a parent passed away or there was a divorce or um, a parent just left the picture. Some of you grew up uh, between multiple parents because of a divorce. Like, so you were shared parents and then there was a stepmom involved. Some of you don't even know your parents. You grew up with a grandparent or uncle and aunt. Some of you were foster kids. So I recognize like today there's a big spectrum. So when I wrote this message, I was trying to like shotgun spray principles to go, how can people apply these in every situation? Because I recognize that there's a lot of different situations. So I say that because I'm sorry, because I know that some of you, this is going to be a turnoff as soon as I start talking about my tension, because you're going to be frustrated with the fact that you had a rough parent, kid-to-parent relationship. And then the other reason I say it is because the last thing I want to do is sound insensitive, insensitive this morning. So if I say something and you're like, he sounds really stuck up or insensitive, please forgive me. My, I literally, my, my, my desire in writing this message was to just preach God's word. And I believe in his word, in these principles, life and healing can be found. So please, so please forgive me on the forefront if I say something too flippantly um, in regard to that. Anyway, that was a lot of prefacing. With that to be said, my title of my message this morning is What's a Child's Responsibility to Their Parent? Turn your neighbor and ask that question. What's a child's responsibility to their parent? And you, if you have the luxury of sitting next to your kid this morning and they ask you that, say it's for you to make a lot of money so you can support me in retirement, okay? Because that's, that's a good responsibility. And my dad was like, amen, yeah. He's like, please, okay. Anyway, so today I'm going to be answering this question to the best of my ability. I'm going to look at a lot of passages of Scripture, but I want to look at two specifically. And what's important to note about these passages is that the statement made in these passages is actually made multiple times throughout the Bible, all throughout it. Not just in the beginning, not just in the end, all throughout, okay? And I'm going to read two of them, and I'm going to show you as we go along kind of context, but I'm just going to read them to start out. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. I heard a pastor say this week, the reason you'll live long if you honor parents is because you have a better chance that they won't kill you. And if you, if you don't honor them, there's a good chance you might die. So I thought that was good. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, this is Paul now writing thousands of years later. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. So honor your father and mother. Would you pray one more time with me? God, I just thank you today for the moments we have together. God, I pray that you would soften hearts, God, that we would all be receptive to go, I'm not perfect. God, there's always place to grow. God, the moment we think we're perfect and we have it all together is the moment we stop paying attention to how to grow. God, and you are a God that if we stand in your presence for very long, we recognize we are so not perfect. God, we are so undeserving of grace, God, but you still extend it to us. So I pray that today people's hearts would be healed. God, I, I pray right now in faith that relationships would be healed. God, today because of this message, God, that broken and hurting wounds, God, would be fixed. God, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. So this week while I was researching, I came across some things that were um, extremely eye-opening when it came to this idea of kid-to-parent relationships. And the first one was an article published in the New York Times on July 29, 2021, and it was entitled, What's Ripping American Families Apart? And that stood out to me for multiple reasons. But in the article, the opening lines of it state, at least 27% of Americans are estranged from a member of their own family. And this word estranged means no longer close or affectionate to someone, the fact of no longer being on friendly terms or a part of a social group. Okay, so that's what that means. And it goes on to say, and research suggests that 40% of Americans have experienced estrangement at some point. 40%. That's almost half. That's pretty crazy. We have a lot of people in this country, okay? 
says, the most common form of estrangement is between adult children and one or both parents, a cut usually initiated by the child. And I thought that was interesting too, especially in regard to this, this sermon. So it goes on to say, a study published in 2010 found that parents in the U.S. are about twice as likely to be in a contentious relationship with their adult children as parents in Israel, Germany, England, and Spain. And again, I found that interesting, right? There's, there's this level of estrangement that's happening, and it's a cut. It's an estrangement that's being caused by the child. And so again, like, I, want, I, I'm just, I will get to why I think that is in a moment, but just let that settle in. The second one that stood out to me while I was looking this week, it was a book released on March 2nd, 2021 by Dr. Joshua Coleman titled, Rules of Estrangement, Why Adult Children Cut Ties and How to Deal with Conflict. And I actually got the book, but I only glanced through it because I did not have time to read it. But on Amazon, the description says this, labeled a silent epidemic, by a growing number of therapists and researchers, estrangement is one of the most disorienting and painful experiences of a parent's life. Popular opinion typically tells a one-sided story of parents who got what they deserved or overly entitled adult children who wrongly blame their parents. However, the reasons for estrangement are far more complex and varied as a result, rising rates of individualism, an increasing cultural emphasis on happiness, growing economic insecurity, and a historically recent perception that parents are obstacles to personal growth. Many parents find themselves forever shut out of the lives of their adult children and grandchildren. And the reason I say this today is because I thought, A, it adequately kind of put context to this tension I'm talking about, and B, I wanted you guys to feel the very real and present tension going on in our nation specifically between kids and their parents. And you may have never thought about this. You may have never cared about it. Some of you, this may hit home because you're dealing with it and it's super painful, painful for you. But at the end of the day, we have to go, no, there's a tension and we need to pay attention to why there's tension there. And as I begin to hear these stats, I realize there's probably thousands, if not millions of reasons why these, the, this thing is occurring, this, this tension is occurring. But as a process, I don't think it'd be far too, like, too far reaching to say that one of the biggest reasons why this tension is present is because kids have forgotten what their responsibility is to their parents. And maybe not even forgotten, I think they've also not been taught what their responsibility is to their parents. Another article I stumbled onto, um, I felt supported this reality. It was posted in January 2015, and it read the title, How the Elderly Are Treated Around the World. In countries like Korea and China, you can expect to be taken care of by your family. In America and England, not so much. And in this article, it compared five different major cultures across our world. And the only one that doesn't honor their family is America, the UK and America. And it's like China so much so does this that they actually passed a law in 2013 that you had to visit your parents no matter how far away you live from what I understood. Otherwise you'd face like fines or jail. And I'm not saying China has it all together, but there's like, there's something to go here, go no, like, and again, I don't, also I don't know if this rule is even followed, but I go like they're, they're putting thought towards it. And I don't think we can say that for America. I think in a lot of ways we're going the exact opposite. And a few months ago, I remember reading an article surrounding a very controversial Disney movie called Turning Red that just recently came out. Um, and so this week, for sermon purposes, also, who doesn't want to watch a movie, uh, decide, I decided I'd watch the movie. And uh, I'm going to say from the forefront, I am not here to critique this movie, and I'm not going to share my personal opinion. If you'd like to have a conversation with me, please come talk to me, because I have very many, like, I have a lot of opinions on this movie. Uh, I talked to PK and Sasser for a good five minutes just about it. But um, the reason I bring it up is um, simply because I think it's a perfect example of how um, America is teaching and okaying kids to behave. This is the opening line. So the Disney-like castle appears, Pixar pops up, and this is the opening lines of the movie. 
The number one rule in my family is honor your parents. They are the supreme beings that gave you life, who sweated and sacrificed so much to put a roof over your head, food on your plate. The least you can do in return is every single thing they ask. Of course, some people are like, be careful, honoring your parents sounds great, but if you take it too far, well, you might forget to honor yourself. Luckily, I don't have that problem. I may lend Lee, and, I, and ever since turning 13, I've been doing my own thing. That's the first line of the movie. So I was like, this is going to be good. I was like, I'm excited to watch this, just because I'm like, this is like right where I'm heading. So again, I don't want to get into the fine de- details of the movie, and honestly, there's some validity to the morals of the story, because Disney's always trying to push some sort of moral. But at the end of the day, I thought, man, this is like, this is how our country is, is teaching children, and this is where we are heading. And it could just be me, but it feels like culture has bought into, accepted, and okayed children to blame all of the kid-parent relationship tension on the parents, right? It's always the parents' fault. If the parents were just better, then there would be no relationship tension. You hear things like, if only the parents would have raised them better, been less like a friend and more authoritative, been more present, been more understanding, been more involved, been less dictatorial, been um, less protective, been more engaged, then the relationship would be better. And I know adult children that are in my age range that make statements like this, and they have pushed their parents away. And to me, it's sad. And I'm not saying that, like, again, I'm not really, like alleviating responsibility off the parents. And a matter of fact, a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a sermon geared towards parents. But we spend way too much time blaming the parents and not enough time as children, I'm, all of us are children, reflecting on how am I behaving and what's my responsibility. So if we deem parents solely responsible for the broken kid-to-parent relationships in this world, then we're alleviating responsibility off the children. And even if culture deems parents solely responsible for the broken kid-to-parent relationships in this world, Jesus' followers cannot because God doesn't. And I just read in the opening two passages of Scripture where God does not alleviate responsibility off of children. As a matter of fact, there's a lot more in, the, in Scripture that talks about ch- a child's responsibility to the parent. And so today, what I want to do... Um, with the time we have remaining, is I want to give you three reasons why every child has responsibility and three reasons how, okay? Three reasons why and three reasons how. So, and it's important, I, I want to say this too, it's important to know the why before the how, because especially in our culture, we always ask why first before we ever do anything, and we want to be sold on it first. So I'm going to do my best from God's word to sell you on why you have responsibility. So number one this morning, say number one, why do we have responsibility to our parents? Because God says so. Nice and simple, because God says so. And in honor of Mother's Day, how many, like, how many kids had a parent go, or a mother go, you need to do this, and you finally said why, and they're like, because I said so. Anybody, right? You're like, yes, that happened to me. Um, well, similarly today, I want to begin because God said so. And I'll be honest, this week, I really, mess, I really wrestled with this message for multiple reasons, but mainly because I was not having trouble finding something to say because God's word says a lot. I was having trouble figuring out what to tell you was the reason why you should listen to me. And right, wrong, or indifferent, in the culture we live in today, you have to be sold on something before you apply it to your life. Like, you have to hear the whole picture. And so as I'm approaching this, I'm like, dude, like, how do I, like, convince people, especially when I'm talking about a relationship that has so much brokenness in it? How do I convince people to listen to me? And so as I, I was talking about this after young adults with a couple people, and one person responded goes, isn't that, a fifth, isn't that the fifth commandment? Or isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? Like super sassily, like as if that was enough for you to listen to me. And I was like, you are totally right. It is a Ten Commandment. But at the end of the day, the Ten Commandments don't carry weight in our culture anymore. Sadly, I don't think they carry a lot of weight in Christian life anymore. Like really think about that. I mean, we are so, like we are pros at picking and choosing what we want to listen to and apply to our life. 
And so at the end of the day, God says so. And like, I think that's where we need to start because you need to like start submitting your life. If you want health in your relationships, you have to start, start submitting yourself to God as Lord and Savior. Uncle Greg and me were talking this week. And he, he's wise. He's a doctor now. He's way above my, my level of thinking. I was gleaning wisdom. Um, I don't know if I could call you Dr. Greg, though. It's always going to be uncle. Anyway, um, but he was talking about how in American culture, we want Jesus to be our Savior, but we forget that it comes with being, his, him being Lord, too. Like we, like, we want the grace side, but we want to just keep living our life, and we don't want to follow anybody. And so it's a package deal. And so as this person mentioned when I was talking about this, um, our responsibility as, as children to parents is, a tenth, is, is in the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment. And it says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And what you need to know about context of this passage of scripture is Moses has recently just led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt after 430 years. Them and their ancestors has been in Egypt for 430 years. And so when this commandment is being given, they're currently in the wilderness learning what freedom tastes like for the first time ever and trying to go, what, how do I live this free life? And so you have to try to put yourself in their shoes. Like they had, they had, oh, they had grown up following the rules of Egyptians who bound them in slavery. And so for the first time ever, they're going, okay, what are our laws, regulations, and rules going to be? And so God gives them this, and he says, you should honor your father and mother, these 10 commandments, okay? And what you need to understand about the 10 commandments, this is super important. God did not give the 10 commandments to the Israelites to free them from bondage. He had already freed them. He gave them the, um, the 10 commandments so he could show them what free people look like. And that's where relationship with Jesus and religion, even today, gets confused. Because a lot of us think we're following rules to earn our way to God. No, God gave us the rules to show us what an abundant life looked like. And so the Ten Commandments were given um, for three reasons. To show man how big the gap is between us and God. Like God is so perfect and we are so not. Then second was to show that we needed a mediator to close that gap. Otherwise, we were never going to have a relationship with the one who created us. And then thirdly, it's again to show us what this free, abundant life looks like. Jesus, or God was giving these rules so he could go, I don't want you to fall back into even emotional or mental slavery. I'm giving you these things so you know how to live as free people. And the reason I'm telling you this is because the ten, if the Ten Commandments, which they are, are what God gave to show the basis for abundant life, and he put the command in there about our responsibility as, as children to parents, then I think it should grab our attention as important. And if you take time to read the Ten Commandments, nowhere in there does it talk about parents. It says, honor your father and mother. The Sixth Commandment does not say, parents thou shalt. It does not say that. It just talks about kids to parents. And again, culturally, we always blame everything on the parents. When Paul later writes this commandment in Ephesians 6, he proceeds by saying, children, obey your parents for this is right. And this Greek word for right means correct, righteous, by implication, innocent. And it's talking about innocent in the eyes of God. It says, approved by God, righteous conformity to God's standard. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you, how you feel about it, God says so, okay? The second reason today, and this one's really, really deep, deep thinking, is because they are how God chose to bring you into this world. That's reason number two, okay? Say, I would not be here if my parents wouldn't have conceived me. I'm just saying. So I don't know how much time you think about how you got into this world or what your purpose in this world is, but I would encourage you, it would be kind of fun if you spent some time pondering the fact that the only reason you're here is because your parents decided to conceive you and give birth to you. Okay, that's the only reason you're here. And so it's not rocket science, but I want that to sink in because what I want you to recognize is God does nothing on accident. Nothing on accident. God chose your parents to be the tool through which you were brought into this world. 
So whether or not they were good or bad parents is irrelevant to this responsibility because at the end of the day, that's how you got into this world. They could have been the most unengaged, abusive, non-existent, hate-filled parent ever, but the fact of the matter is the only reason you're here is because God made you from their DNA. Think about it this way. Each one of us is completely like, unique when it comes to our chromosomes and DNA. That's how we're made up, okay? No other person on this planet has the same exact makeup as you. And so the reason you're here is because your parent, one of your parents who had this unique DNA and this parent, this other parent who had this unique DNA came together and combined their DNA and made you. So again, like you are a, a DNA product of your parent. So it doesn't matter if you know them or not, like them or not, want to be related to them or not, they made you. And all this to be said, God was fully responsible for creating you. I don't think we take this into consideration enough. You are not accidental. It doesn't matter if your parent joked that you were an accident. God literally knew you were getting conceived and birthed on the day you got birthed. And so we have a responsibility to our parents because at the end of the day, we wouldn't be here without them. And they had just the right DNA for you. So the things that, like, that grade on you about your parents, you realize like, you have their DNA inside of you. And you might have some of those qualities. I'm just saying. And I love this. I heard this statement this week. Even if they were lousy parents, that wasn't God's first and foremost concern. God's biggest concern was creating you, not their parenting skills. I was like, this is so good. Because sometimes, again, we're so, like, I'm not kidding. Like, it was, it's shocking to me how many kids in our culture today, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm not saying our kids do this specifically, but there's this persona. I was just in high school only like 10 years ago. It feels like it was shorter. But I remember this posture of my parents are ruining my life. Like, that's how we live. And I'm not saying like there's no justification in that, but I'm like, we have to step back as children and consider, especially as adults, because a lot of us were influenced by that thinking and now we're living out the results of it later on. So the third reason why, so first reason is because God says so. Second one is because they brought us in this world. And the third one was because it comes with a promise. Why do we have responsibility? Because it comes with a promise. And you, have may, no, you may have noticed in, um, in Ephesians 6, 2, Paul says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, with a promise. And what Paul means when he says this is that when you read the other nine commandments out of the Ten Commandments, not, one, not, not a single other one of them has tacked on to the end of it a promise with it. Now, te, um, now, now contextually, you're going, no, all of them have promises. But there, there's, this one specifically has a promise. In Ephesians 6, 3, Paul repeats it, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life here on earth. So in other words, if you honor your father and mother, it will go well with you and you will enjoy long life on earth. Now, again, like I just said, all the commandments carry with them this promise that if you obey them, like they're all pointing to abundant life. If you obey them, God's blessing will be on you, okay? But I don't think that means we should pass by the fact that this one specifically had tacked on the end of it, this promise. And so my question this morning is, what does this promise actually mean? And I think a commonly misconstrued um, interpretation of this text is that I will have long life on this earth. And I'm sorry, but when Paul was talking, I do not think he meant if you honor your father and mother that you'll have a hedge of protection around you, you'll never get a ticket, or you'll never hit a, like, get hit by a car, like you'll never have the effects of old age wearing on your health. Like that's not what he was meaning. Like he's not making you want to go like, oh shoot, I got a ticket this week. I forgot to honor my parents. Like that's not what Paul's meaning, Okay. I mean, sometimes maybe God allows that to happen because you're being a little bit of a not kind person. I'll put it that way. But that's not why Paul made this. And so we need to ask, why did, why, did, why did Paul say this? And more importantly, what was the original context? So when God made this original promise to the Israelites, he was saying, so that you may live long in the land that your Lord, your God is giving you. The land he is talking about is the promised land. 
See, God delivered the Israelites out of slavery and was taking them to the promised land, okay? And so he was saying, if you obey this commandment, more importantly, if you obey all the commandments, you will live long in this this land. So this begs the question, why would Paul reiterate this promise thousands of years later to the Ephesians? Did Paul misunderstand the context? And that's why he said it. And I would say no, because Paul grew up before he was a Christian studying Old Testament law. He knew exactly the context of why this was said. He also would have known that Jesus came and abolished the Old Testament covenant and that they were standing in a new covenant today. So why did Paul restate this? And that's important because Paul was talking even to us today. Even though it's 2,000 years later, he's still referring to us today. Some scholars explain the reason Paul makes this promise again is because he's hitting on the fact that wisdom states, children who learn from the wisdom of their parents will avoid all sorts of destructive hardships and even deadly consequences, which, I mean, is a valid point. Like, you, you learn from experience, and your parents have experienced things more, so if you listen to their wisdom, you can avoid some pitfalls. Totally makes sense. But I think that's, like, there's way more to it than that because that's not exciting enough for, like, why would Paul would challenge people to do this, okay? When Paul states his promise, I believe he's hitting on the promise connected to obedience, to obedience. Jesus says in Luke 8, uh, 11, 28, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Obey it. There's this idea that it's not just hearing, it's doing. And when you do what you've been asked, this obedience factor, this favor from God comes on your life. And blessing in the Greek word means happy, blessed, and to be envied. When God extends his benefits, it describes a believer in an enviable position from receiving God's provisions. So when we obey God, we are returned with his blessings. And one commentator put this, I love this, but life is not measured only by quantity of time, it's also measured by quality of experience. God enriches the life of the obedient child no matter how long we may live on this earth. Sin always robs, obedience always enriches. And I'm not saying we should make God the genie in the sky that I'm like, I'm manipulating God, so I'm obeying my parents begrudgingly so that I get this blessing. A, I don't even think this blessing comes in the form that you typically want it. It's in the form that God knows you need it. And so when we, and I don't have any like, proof to say that, but like God works in ways that he knows we need. And I don't know about you, but this promise challenges me because I want to walk through my life with God's favor and blessing on me. Whether I know what that, the, the benefits of that or not, I want to please my heavenly father. I want to have his honor and respect. So why, why do we do this? God says so. Our parents are how God chose to bring us in the world, and it comes with a promise. Now I want to step into the how really quick with the final moments we have. So number four, how do we walk out this responsibility? Number, number four, like I said, but number one of the hows, by honoring and respecting them. And let me remind you, these next three hows have nothing to do really with, with, um, with children. They're more, uh, no, they have everything to do with children, sorry. They are more geared towards adults, though. So when I'm talking here, like I'm talking straight to teens and adults. Children have tacked onto these next three hows many more. For example, they should obey their parents, right? Ephesians 6, 1 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And this is good. Children need to obey their parents unless what their parents are asking them to do is sinful and no chores are not sinful. Um, adults, on the other hand, though, do no longer have to obey their parents. Like if my dad texts me tomorrow, I was like, hey, I need you to take the trash out before you hang out with your wife, Allie, tonight. I'd be like, what? Like, I don't have to obey you. Like, I, I live across the town. I'm not under your house anymore. So that season comes to a close. But what does not come to a close ever is the season of honor and respect. I may not have to obey, but I do have to honor and respect. 
And I remember uh, wrestling through this, this, this change of seasons. Um, I think, I don't even remember. Mom's going to remember as soon as I start talking about this. But I was like 18 or 19, maybe 20, maybe a little older. Anyway, and I'm transitioning from the season of like obedience as a child to the season of adulthood and respect and honoring. And there was some sort of a heated discussion. And um, I, I made my really great point. I said something. I don't remember what I said. I was like, da 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 And I was like, Rhonda. And I said it super disrespectfully. She can tell the story. She's laughing hard. This is why I have that scar. No, I was kidding. But, <laughs> but no, I was like, I was like, Rhonda. And I, she never lets me live it down. And what was happening is I was trying to transition from this child that was obedient to this adult that had his own opinion, but still had to honor and respect. And I don't even think I was necessarily wrong, but it's this, this tension we have to kind of figure out. How do I honor and respect my parents? And this is why Paul says, he repeats in Ephesians 6 2, honor your father and mother. This word honor means to fix the value, to price, assign value, as it reflects the personal esteem attached to the beholder. As it reflects the personal esteem attached to the beholder. And for some of you, you might hear this, and your first thought is, like, I get what you're saying. But in the definition for the word honor, it speaks of assigning value to the person, um, what the person actually holds, like what value they should hold. And so you go, what if their response to me is, or what if their value to me is nothing? Like, what if my parents garbage to me? What if they treated me bad? What if they wronged me and they have no value to me? Do I still have to give this honor? And my response to that is this. I read the whole commandment and there was no if-then statements included in it. The commandment does not say, if your father and mother are good parents, then honor them. It does not say, if your father and mother did this, then honor them. It does not say that. It just says, honor your father and mother. There's no small print attached to this command. And in the English language, the words honor, respect mean high respect. Honor means high respect and great esteem. It means adherence to what is right or to conventional standard of conduct. Respect means a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements and due regard for the rights of others or someone else. And so I read these definitions and I see two types of honor and respect. The first one is honor and respect that is earned, right? This, 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 this honor and respect that my parent did this or this person did this. They treated me this way, talked to me this way, raised me this way, so now they have my honor and respect. But there's this other kind of respect that's a title respect. And so despite what they do, you're actually supposed to honor them because of the title. And this is where government comes into play, and it's all throughout the Bible. And we're going to hit on this actually, I think, in, in later weeks to a degree, is there's this idea of honoring authority based on title even if they're not good authority. And there's, so there's these two different types of respect, okay? And when it comes to our parents, there's two types of honor and respect. So for some of you, you grew up and your parent was amazing. They weren't perfect, but they loved you. They cared for you. So they have now earned your honor and respect. For other of you, others of you, you don't respect your parent at all. But what you do have to respect is the title. And I know that's hard to, to settle in. But, that, but you have to recognize, despite their actions, they still have the title parent. And some of your responses to that may be, well, in my opinion, their actions cause them to lose the title parent. And I, I'm not going to, like, so I don't respect them for the title, and I'm not going to respect them for how they treated me. But here's what I want you to get, get at, or here's what I want to get at. God does not take their title away, even if you did. God gave them the title parent, and it's attached naturally by the blood in your, like, blood flowing through your veins. They birthed you. So it does not matter if you don't want to call them parent. They are your parent. And so your job is to respect and honor them. And again, this honor and respect does not mean you have to like somebody. It doesn't mean you have to agree with somebody. It doesn't mean you have to let them abuse you emotionally, verbally, or physically. Honor and respect don't speak against setting healthy boundaries in unhealthy relationships. But they do speak um, about treating people the way they should be treated. Um, and I, I heard a pastor say this week, even if a broken clock 
or even a broken clock is right twice a day. And I thought that was interesting because at the end of the day, no matter how broken something may be, there's still some qualities within it that you can pull. And so again, I, that may be far reaching for you because if your parent did something to you, that's horribly wrong. It's like kind of hard to go, well, they, all the good they might've done got washed out with it. But let me ask you this, has there been any good that's come of the wrong they did to you? And for that, you can still probably honor respect. Like for some of you, you might have had the worst parent, but you're actually one of the best parents now because your parent was so bad to you. And so you can still honor and respect them as your parent because even though they didn't do it right, you still pulled something good from that relationship. And I hope that makes sense. And I love that Jesus came down to earth and walked for 33 years as God in flesh and human flesh as a human because when he did, he exemplified so many things for us. And a couple of months ago when I found out I was preaching this message, I ran across Luke 22, 39 through 44, or God brought it up in my head, and I knew I was going to share this in some form or fashion in this message. And in this account, Jesus is moments away from being captured and then beaten and then killed in the most excruciating way that humans' minds could come up with. Okay, he's, he's moments before this. And he's in the garden. It says Luke 22, 39 through 44. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On, teach, on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. And he said, Father, say Father. Father. He's using the title, Father. If you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And I think you and I can hardly imagine an anxiety at this level, because I don't know about you, but I've never sweat blood. But what stands out to me in this passage is Jesus' prayer to God exemplifies what honoring and respecting your parent means. And I'll show you why. Jesus was 33 years old when he made this prayer. He was 33 years old. So he was well out of the season of obedience. He was 33 years old. On top of it, he was human, so he was God and human, so of course we know he's going to make the perfect choice because he's God, but he showed that he wrestled. To me, he showed that he wrestled with the honor and respect because also in Jesus being God, I mean, he could have probably just been like, I'm God too. I'm not following this if that was really what he wanted, but I see in this text that he's honoring his father. He says, Father, there's this title involved. If you are willing, take this cup from me, but yet not my will, yours be done. So nothing was too, too above Jesus, and I love this. And there's multiple texts, and I think it's like Luke 2, 51 or something like that. It shows that Jesus was obedient as a young kid to his earthly parents. He exemplified this idea of respect and honor. And so, and, here's, and this is like the point I really want to come across here. We don't have to necessarily submit our will to our parents' will, especially if they're asking us to do something wrong. But what we do have to do is we have to submit our will to God's will. And that's what Jesus here is doing. He's exemplifying this idea. So what I mean by that is when you come to your parent and your, your parent says something to you and you get frustrated by it, you may not respect in that moment or want to honor respect. You may not even follow their will, but at that moment you have to tell yourself, no, I'm going to follow, follow, my, follow and honor my Father in heaven's will. And I'm going to submit to his will. And, and um, I know that some of you who are close to our family could easily think right now that you have a great relationship with your parents, Trent, so this is super easy for you. And this is all I want to say, that, say to that. Um, if your best friend, dad, and boss is all the same person, you can't judge me, unless, unless that's the case. And I love my dad. We have, like, an amazing relationship. But I would be lying to stand up here and say I've had not, not had to, like, saying that I have not had to learn at times to go, no, I'm going to respect his will over my own. I'm going to respect and honor him in this moment over me. 
And it's not like all the time, but I'm an adult now. I have my own opinions. I'm my own person. So sometimes I have to go, no, I'm going to respect his will in this moment. And I do that because I recognize God's blessing and favor on my life. And then two, I recognize that he deserves it. Whether I feel it or not, he deserves it. My parents are some of the most amazing, if not the most amazing parents on this planet. And so I know they deserve it. And at the times when I'm like, dude, I feel frustrated, I go, God has commanded me to do this, and Jesus walked it out so I can do it too. Um, the next how, sorry, I'm getting distracted here. I've got to wrap this up fast. Um, next how is by caring for them. So you honor, respect them, and then you care for them. And what, what I want you to understand is God gave you to your parents for them to steward you, and even if they didn't do a good job, that does not alleviate the responsibility you have to steward them. You are supposed to steward them. It's a, it's a stewarding relationship both ways. And obviously as a child, this looks way different than as you get to an adult. But it's funny how, how time, time crosses this way. You're a baby and they're getting older and you guys cross at some point in season. And at some point there's this responsibility that no longer they're the parent taking care of their baby, but you're the, you're the child taking care of your parent. And God did that intentionally. And what I want us to recognize is a wrong plus a wrong doesn't make a right. So even if they didn't steward you well, you cannot just give yourself a free pass to not steward them. And PK hit on this last week. When we get to heaven, we're not going to stand before God with our child, with our parent, or with our spouse. You're standing there by yourself, and you're going to give an account how you stewarded the life you live. And so you have to ask yourself, not based on them. You have to alleviate them from the equation and go, am I stewarding my parent? And uh, most of us know the story of Jesus dying on the cross pretty well, right? That whole account and the, the whole situation around it. But I think oftentimes we overlook a small detail that happened amidst that story. And I heard a pastor talk about it this week, and it blew my mind because I never noticed it like this, um, that I remember at least. And it says in John 19, 25 through 27, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, um, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of um, I don't know how to say that, Mary Magdalene. Um, and when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, this is the part, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And from my understanding, Jesus only made seven statements while he was hanging on the cross dying. And you want to know what one of the seven statements was? It was passing on to somebody else the, the responsibility to care for his mother after he passed. And that blew my mind. Because seven statements and you're, you're dying, like you're, you're getting suffocated. He's bleeding out everywhere. And one of the seven statements Jesus made was to pass on care of his parent to a disciple. That has to sink in at some level. That's how seriously Jesus took the responsibility of taking, his, um, taking care of his mother. And I think we have to take that to heart. And I think this is going to shift and morph when it comes to different seasons of your life. Obviously, as a 26-year-old, me caring for my parents is going to look way different than when I'm probably 50 and taking care of my parent. But what I want you guys to recognize is there's this responsibility to take care. And a couple weeks ago, I asked permission I could share this. I could tell my dad was down all week. We shared an office together, and I could tell he was down. I kept checking on him. I said, are you doing all right? And I called him on Friday night asking him a question. I could just tell over the phone, like, he was not doing well. I'm like, I know him like probably better than anyone other than my mother. I know my dad super well. And so I just felt led. I was like, I just need to ask him if he wants to go to breakfast. And my intention in that was literally like, I'm not going to preach at him. I'm literally just going to let him talk because I know that he's a verbal processor and he needs to talk. And so I asked and we went to breakfast the next day and we walked and it was good. And he thanked me over and over. And I think that was healing in ways to him. And all I was trying to do is going, man, like I don't, it's hard sometimes to figure out what taking care of my parent looks like because they babied me. Like I, they wiped my poopy butt. Like they like, <laughs> like how, how does this look as an adult child to a father? But I go, I can do my best. 
And uh, someday, yes. So, no, so I had this... I had this in my message. I wrote this because I was thinking about it, and one of the greatest things I have ever seen my dad do was as my grandpa was getting close to death and we were taking him to a doctor appointment in Montana, I remember my dad having to help my grandpa into the stall, sit him down on the toilet, wipe him and pick him up and put him back. That is crazy to me. And you think about that, and you think about the responsibility, and I believe my dad's going to be honored by it. I mean, he set a standard for me. I'm like, God, I got to do better than him now at least. I gotta, so I'm going to have to wipe his poopy butt at some point, Ho- hopefully in the far future. Or maybe Jesus will come back before so I get removed from that. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I go, I go, I go look, look at what he did. He recognized that this man took care of him as a child, and he returned the favor. And I think, again, God created it to be that way. So how do we do this honor respect? Secondly, we do it by taking care. And thirdly, or the last one, number six, this one's going to step on some toes. And so please hear me graciously. Is there a certain way they can act that would ever alleviate my responsibility to my parents? And my response is no, you have to forgive them. That's the final how, is you forgive them. And again, I don't want to sound insensitive today because I know some of you, you may have been abused verbally, physically, or sexually by a parent. And so the last thing, you have hatred in your heart towards this person. And so you hear me talking about this, and you're like, how on earth could I honor my parents? They did the most, wor- like the most horrible thing ever. Some of you have never even met your parent, and I don't want to overshare on my wife's, my wife's testimony. My wife has never, doesn't even know who her, like she knows of him, has never met her actual blood father. And so I wrote this message going, how have I walked alongside my wife? And I can never even fully comprehend. I can't try to tell her how to do this. All I can do is look at God's word and try to support as she walks that journey. Some of you have been more like a parent to your parent than your parent ever was to you. And so you're going like, I can't, like, I had to take care of my baby, my baby siblings. I had to, like, make sure they weren't being stupid. My own parents. Like, so why am I trying now to, to honor and respect them and, and, and walk this out and take care of them and forgive them? Why? And the last thing I want you to feel is that you are wrong because you're not wrong. Your unforgiveness may be wrong, but you, you are not to blame for your parents' mis- mistakes in your life. And, and Jesus spoke harshly to those who have wronged children. He said, if anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, um, those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So I, I know the context of this might be a little different, but at the end of the day, like your parents are gonna stand before God. And so if your parent made terrible mistakes, I'm not saying you have to ignore the wrongs. Uh, I'm not saying that you have to ignore, repress, like, it, like anything. But I am saying you have to forgive them. And I love it because God doesn't expect you to deny, ignore these, these things. But what he does, he doesn't want you to fake it. He doesn't want you, but he does want you to face it so you can get on with your life. Because what I want you to recognize is a lack of forgiveness does not hurt your parent. It hurts you. You can try to punish in your response back your whole life, but at the end of the day, you're doing more damage and putting yourself in more of a prison than they will ever be in. And if I don't have the rights to say this because I walk a different road, I totally understand, but let me give you the words in the Bible and I'll show you how Jesus responded because I keep going to him because he was who we were supposed to imitate and he was perfect. A man that followed Jesus in the moments of his, his death and denied Jesus because he was too, too afraid to stand up said this in 1 Peter 2, 23. And I just want you to keep in mind, Jesus was spit in the face. He was slapped. He was whipped to the point of where no human actually should survive. And Peter said this, when they hurled insults at him, he didn't retaliate. 
When Jesus suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And what Peter meant was Jesus gave responsibility to right the wrongs to God. He didn't take it on himself. And some of you have carried your whole life trying to right the wrong of your parent, and it's not your responsibility. And I don't know how many people, they, you might have weights. You, there might be so many symptoms of these burdens in your heart from this, and then you don't even know it. And at some point you have to step back and go, God didn't ask me to carry this. Jesus was perfect, completely undeserving of any wrong. And when people wronged him, his response was this, um, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Again, he's hanging on the cross. And if you hear the scientific, like the science behind what this looked like and how this killed somebody, it makes no sense that this thought was going through Jesus's mind. But this is what he did. And so your parent could be the worst person to walk the earth, but there is not a single thing they could have done that, could, um, that can be touched by God's grace. That can't be touched by God's grace is what I mean. And it's funny because we want God's unconditional grace in our life, but we put standards on it for other people and saying, no, they're too bad. They can't have it, but you're allowed to have it. God's grace is so good. And it may not make sense to you, but you can extend his grace to them. And again, I am in no way saying that any of you should submit yourself back to unhealthy relationships. And some of you may never actually fully repair this relationship with your parent. But at the end of the day, you should forgive them. And you may not get the chance in person to honor and respect them a whole lot, but you can honor and respect them on the side as you talk to your children about your parent, as you talk to, talk to the people around you about your parent. You can look for the good in the parent, even though there may be some bad. And here's what I wanna end with. I think Satan is scared of the power of forgiveness. Do you like recognize that like Satan, if you don't forgive, Satan has a hold. Like he loves unforgiveness. He loves causing hurt in your life. He loves stirring up offense. And what's amazing is he has no say because Jesus died on the cross and he made forgiveness, oh, like he made a way. Satan's already defeated. Right now he's just trying to make people stumble along the way to heaven. Like he's already lost. I mean, forgiveness is waiting at the door for anybody. And so what I wanna do in closing today is I wanna do this really simply. There's two people I want to have respond and pray for. And, the, and you may be both, but the first one is this. I think some people might hear a message like this and go, I realize that I've not done a good enough job in, in, in my responsibility to my parent. I want to be better. And I'm not saying you have to seek per, per, perfection. I'm not trying to guilt you. Um, I don't think condemnation should be coming over you in regard to that because God's not for condemnation. Conviction says I can do this and it it's changes. So I think that some of you might today need to go, I need, I need to figure out how to honor my parent better. It's small steps. Like, have you called them like in a while? Like today, send a text and go, happy Mother's Day, mom. I love you. And don't throw, I tell Ali all the time, don't throw spears. We don't throw spears. Gene Edwards' book about, about David and Saul, and he says, Saul threw, threw spears at David. David not throw spears back. David just sat there. He let God take care. So you don't throw spears. You just sit there and you love. That's all you have to do. God will judge justly in the end. And the second one I want to um, pray for today is those who have some serious parent wounds. And I've debated how I want to do this. And so if you're comfortable, I'm gonna ask the lights to be dim and I'm gonna pray for this other one first. And uh, Julie, will you come up? Can we, I, I did not plan this, this is my bad. Sasser had to go over there to prep. Can we change the key of this song to G um, for Julie to sing this? I'm sorry, I'm pulling the last minute thing. And what I wanna do is I just wanna invite you forward. If, if someone, if you are someone that has some pain wounds in your life, actually it's the key of F, sorry, to multi, multi-facet. Um, 
And what I want to do this morning is I want to pray for you. And um, I'm not, you're not praying with anybody. I'm going to ask after you're up here, and this could be one person, but if this moment is for one person, I'm grateful for it, okay? I want uh, just at least a normal number of staff members. We just lay hands on them and pray as they go through this. So first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So if you're someone today, clo- um, eyes closed, head bowed, and you go, I want, to, I want to be better with my responsibility to my parent. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you first today. Thank you, thank you, yeah. I wanna, I, wanna have, I wanna do this responsibility better. That's good, okay. God, I just thank you for this group of people. God, me, me as well, God, I'm sitting here going, God, I, I so badly wanna be the best child I can be. God, I want to do the best that I can do. And so I just pray today, God, over these people that have this desire um, and, 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 and wish to be better in their responsibility to their parent, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now would infuse their hearts God, that and in the moments it's hard, God, or in the moments that they tend back to a bad habit, God, that they would feel it in their spirit, go, no, I, I can do this. I'm honoring my parents. I'm respecting my parents. God, I want to take care of my parents. God, I want to forgive my parents. God, and I pray that you would just move, move in that way. God, we just thank you for it. And this is when I make this invitation. Are we good with this key too? Sorry, I'm like, this is not like planned. So what I want to do is I'm going to have Julie sing um, nothing else. And if you today are someone who says, I have a lot of hurt and pain in my heart right now, towards my parent. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm going to give you probably like a minute. And I want you to just come up around the altar as a sign and go, God, I'm asking that you help me fix this wound, that I'd have the power to forgive. So if that's you this morning, would you come? And Julie's going to start to sing today. And then staff, please feel free to come pray. So you go ahead, Julie. I'm caught up in your presence. And I just want to sing at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment I never want to leave So those of you who are responding, just right now, just take that moment and say, Jesus, I want forgiveness. I want to have forgiveness. I just encourage the rest of us, we don't have a lot of time, but if you're in this, in this room, can you just extend your hand to these people? This takes a lot of boldness, A, and I don't think that moments like this come very easily, and this is a process of forgiveness. This is a huge step. 
I want, to, I want you to think for a second in your life something you've been bound to, an offense you've had that's detoured you. And I want to pray that God would have breakthrough in their lives. So God, today we come, God, over each person. God, I can only imagine the hurt they've experienced. God, different things they feel, God, toward a parent, God. I pray, God, I know that they, that they cannot remedy the situation. They can't fix what their parent did, God, but they can forgive. God, and with that forgiveness, I believe there's healing. God, there's hope, there's new life. God, as the shackles break off of us that bind us, God, there's a sense of freedom. And so I pray for that freedom to occupy every heart and mind. God, every situation, God, that in these moments when they try to slip back into this unforgiveness, God, that you would have the power in your spirit to remind them, no, I forgive. No, I forgave you so you can forgive them. God, and we just thank you for it today. God, I pray for healing. God, you did not call us to walk a life of defeat and bondage. God, you called us to walk a life of freedom. God, and sadly, so many of us keep ourselves bound. So I pray today, God, over every person that was bold enough to walk up here, God, and make this declaration that I wanna forgive, God, that you would give them the power to forgive. God, it's going to be a day-by-day -day moment, God, or day-by-day -day decision, but God, I pray that you would give them power in the moments to do it. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. I went a little long this morning, but happy Mother's Day. Thank you for coming today. Um, and our prayer team is going to come up front. So if one of you needs more prayer, feel free to do that. I encourage you to take a photo at the photo booth, get some chocolate fondue, and have an amazing Mother's Day. We'll see you in the weeks to come. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.